Well, hi everyone, and before we start this week's episode, we have a little bit of news. And it's, it's, I'm laughing because this is what, Alex, the third time we've sat down to record this week by at this point? <laughs> pretty pretty much, yeah. Yeah, we recorded uh, like a, so this this is like a little like bookend of the episode, this week, this month's episode, and we recorded it yesterday, not knowing what the, the future of charging stations would be. Uh, but yeah, I, I managed to find, <clears throat> um, so yeah, it's so do you want to explain why this show is coming to an end and we'll, we'll go into it? Yeah, we, well, well, we, we, we jumped ahead, but that's okay. So we recorded, uh, this week's episode, I think what on Mon on Monday did, no, Tuesday. We recorded on Tuesday. And at the time I was going through the process of getting a job offer, uh, from, uh, an EV charging company. And I won't say which one, uh, but very excited. And they knew about the podcast because it had actually come up in, in the interview. And, you know, I told them about it and I said to them, and they, you know, they never mentioned it before, but I said to them when we were going through, um, some of the bits and pieces, like, you know, oh, how we're going to do the right to work stuff, which is really laborious where you have to go and, I was nearly going to have to travel up to London for a five-minute meeting to hand to show them a copy of my passport and everything. Mm. In the end, they've arranged it so that someone can actually come to Bournemouth and do it because there's a few of us. Anyway, that's beside the point. But I said, "Hey, just to check, because I don't." It was a friend of mine had sort of prompted me to to check about conflict of interest. You know, look, we're reporting on EV charging, getting EVs. I'm going to be working customer support for this, this charging company. So we thought, well, we better check. And on the phone, they said, oh, yeah, no, I don't think that's going to be a problem, but I will double check with my manager and with um, marketing. Anyway, they come back and said, yeah, we've got a problem. Basically, at the moment, as it stands, it's either take the job or do the podcast. If you want to do a podcast, we have to retract the job offer okay so i said look okay listen you know maybe there's a way we can meet in the middle i think you know me maybe me and alex talked to them and sort of outlined why we would why it wouldn't be a conflict of interest and i you know i called alex and said look this is the situation and Alex says yeah yeah we well you were very amenable to speaking to them weren't you to try and work out something yeah wouldn't be the problem yeah we're not really a review show we are factual news anyway they come back and said look you know that might be possible down the line but for now we think we need to ask you to step away from a podcast to continue this one. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And Alex was very gracious and he's, I can't say how supportive Alex and Jay have been. It's been amazing. Um, said, obviously, you know, that's fine. We, you know, our plan at the time was to, to put the show on almost like an indefinite hold because it might have been possible to restart it later. But. And that's what we recorded yesterday. We said, look, you know, farewell. Thank you for everyone. And I said, thank you to Alex. Well, Alex messaged me last night. Alex, what's changed in the last 24 hours? <laughs> so if you don't know, I've got a separate, well, I've got a podcast I do from the Interface uh, website. It's called Creator Spotlight. Started it last year, sort of speaking to people who make things online, basically. It's a, in the name Creator. Uh, so YouTube is that sort of thing. Uh, and I had a guest on, uh, I think it was last month, uh, a guy called Jim Starling. And he runs a really good YouTube channel um, by himself called Definitely Not a Guru. It was really good to have him on the podcast and things. And I was thinking yesterday, like, I don't really know that many people, but who have I had on the show that might be up for this sort of thing? And he was one of the first people I thought of. So I messaged him and instantly he said, yeah, that sounds good. So hopefully uh, in the next few months, we'll have a, we'll be able to restart the show. It'll be me and me and Jim talking about EV news. And he, some of the stuff we've done on, on this show, we haven't, I haven't had that much access to vehicles. But Jim's got quite a lot of access to press cars 
that sort of thing. So we have a bit more on hands conversation about actual vehicles and things that uh, like what do you think of this vehicle you've driven that sort of thing so that'd be quite be quite good i think so yeah fantastic and look i you know i think that's fantastic look it's always been a a, a weakness of the show look me and alex work i i think anyway and alex might be shake his head in a second but um, i i think me and alex play off each other quite well in terms of me asking the questions and yeah and stuff like that. and we've, we've started to go into a groove but i am ecstatic that charging status will probably have to a little bit of a break mm-hmm. continue so this is going to be the last episode of charging states in its current form. Yep. We are working, obviously, uh, myself and Jay will be working with Alex to, to transition everything. There's no, no hard feelings. Well, no, absolutely not. This is a happy thing. Yeah. Um, it means, it also means that, look, being very honest, it means that I can focus my energy into Crosswires and Crosswires Live, mm. uh, which is a good thing because I didn't realize how much time being a streamer actually takes up. Yeah. But it also means that charging status, which, you know, I'm very, very proud to start with Alex, all, all off the back of what? One episode have you been on, on, it was on the back of that, the Road to EVs episode, wasn't it, that we started this? It was, yeah. I think I messaged you afterwards and said, it'd be quite cool to do this sort of thing more regularly. And then I think, I think you sat on it for a while and thought, oh, that'd be quite a good idea. So then we just, we just started it. So yeah, it was good. And look, you know, I honestly, um, I think it's, <laughs> it does make me smile that we're going from a James to a Jim. <laughs> so it just means you, from now on, you only allow co-hosts whose name begins with a J. <laughs> So honestly, best of luck to you and Jim. Uh, we'll be transitioning all of the domains, everything. We're going to try and make it so that basically there's no disruption to the feed, as much, as little disruption to the feeds as possible. Uh, the only place that charging states will disappear from is the Crosswise website once we do the handover. That's the only place it will disappear from. Uh, but it should, I'm literally reaching out to our hosting, uh, podcast hosting company, uh, today to see if we can transfer. Uh, over to Alex's account because thankfully Alex uses the same host for Creator Spotlight. Which actually, can I do one little thing? Yeah. If you're looking for podcast hosting and you want to start a podcast, head over to crosswise.net forward slash castos. We have an affiliate program. Alex, you, what should be just quickly? What's been your experience so far with with Castos? Because nice way to round out the. Yeah, when I when I started the when I started my own podcast, I didn't really know what to do, so I, I used SoundCloud. Embarrassingly. And I asked James, like, how do you do this properly? Because it's broken. And he gave me a hand to do castos and that sort of thing. And it's it's amazing. Like, I was trying to work out how to do season numbers. I was thinking, where are these options? It's just all in castos. They've got a really, really well done website template page. So you can even link up your own domain name, which didn't take that long. Uh, and then you can have it, it builds a website for you, which is really good stuff. sort of complement my own uh, interface website which is yeah it's really good it's really really easy to get get it set up and it, it the, the feed propagation seems really quick as well uh, which is really good and what's lovely is on even on the basic plan you can you're not limited by the number of episodes you can put out you're not limited by the number of podcasts you can host all the storage is based on the number of downloads you get before you have to upgrade mm. And that means that we should be able to transfer charging status to Alex's account, which means he also then gets a, you get a separate website. I don't know if you knew this. Each podcast that you host gets its own website. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. So, listen, best of luck to you and Jim. Thanks. Thank you for asking me, you know, like reaching out and asking me to do this with you all those months ago. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure. And with that, on to my final episode of Charging Status.
Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to Charging Status, the EV podcast that's focused on the latest, well, I say the latest, the last month of EV vehicles. Hang on, that's redundant, isn't it? EV vehicles. <laughs> Hang on. Electric vehicle and charging news. How's that, Alex? Does that, does that ah. meet your journalistic standards? <laughs> that's much better. <laughs> Welcome back. Alex, good to see you as always. How are you doing? I am very good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, you know. Um, things are good. It's been a really busy month, like, from the from the Crosswires Network. You know, we've started streaming again, like, really full-on streaming. Um, I know you've dropped by a few times to see the chaos. Yeah, it's good fun. It, it's, it's a lot of fun to stream, and I need to find some, like, car games to play. You know, like, I don't know, like... No, not Grand Theft Auto. Actually, no, I did play Crazy Taxi. I'm trying to do a, a tenuous link there. Anyway, Alex, it's been a, a lighter month this month. It get, we've got no test drive this month, but you do have something very exciting coming up in a... Did, I think we said, what, April, May time? You've got something really cool coming up. Yeah, so I think we discussed a little while ago about reaching out to some manufacturers about getting um, an actual proper press loan, because so the test drives we did in the past sort of... Well, the, the, I think we mentioned they're legal. Like they're, not, they're just a bit um, immoral, maybe just going to dealerships and getting uh, like test, like pretending to that you're interested in buying the car. It's a bit feels a bit immoral, but um, so we we, re- we reached out to um, why well, reached out to MG last week, the week before, and they've agreed to uh, send send us a pre- well, send me a press a press loan of an MG4 end of April, beginning of May, um, which would be quite quite interesting. So the MG4, I think we spoke about it on the podcast before, really really well priced hatchback really good range and from what i've seen on twitter a lot of positive feedback so be interested to see how that works i'll make sure i use it but sort of for the whole week sort of day-to-day use and that sort of thing so nice yeah it's good that one of my manufacturers has sort of recognized what we're doing so it's quite quite good yeah it's a really interesting one because of course and look i I think we both understand this they they a lot we won't name any other manufacturers but we've asked for numbers and look we're, you know, without revealing our stats, we're doing really well. But I think the problem is that a lot of manufacturers and a lot of tech, uh, you know, vendors don't necessarily recognise that podcast is changing. So shows don't get the thousands and thousands of downloads they used to get per week. It's not, or per month, it's, it's not happening anymore unless your name is uh, Joe Rogan. <clears throat> <laughs> don't say that name on this show uh, anyway <laughs> that's going to be really exciting um, so that's going to probably be our test drive in our May uh, our May episode which is yeah, awesome definitely. I still I still need to find a way to bribe you to drive that thing down to Bournemouth to come and uh, pick me up and we'll have a little spin along the coastal road or something but um, <laughs> but oh I guess the other news is since the last time we recorded yeah since the last time we recorded we've met in person Yes, I think that was last month. I can't, I can't remember time goes so quick, but yeah, uh, it does, it does. But yeah, me and Alex actually met in person, and um, well, we're still here recording the show, so we actually must have got on. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> awesome, Alex. Let's kick things off with some car news. And do you know the first time I saw this, I, all I could do was start singing the. Um, the Jerry Anderson Stingray theme, you know, Stingray, Stingray. Da-da-da. No. no. Okay. That's, that's no. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Okay. That, that's that's past. Okay. What's this? This just looks incredible. The the Corvette E Ray. Wow. Yeah. So a little while ago, for the I think it's called the C8 Corvette. Corvette. Um, they started selling it in the UK and right and drive for the first time. 
like in the entire history. Uh, if you wanted the Corvette before that, you have to import it from Clive Anderson, I think, and sort of get a left-hand drive version. So this Corvette's available in the UK. The the news was on the 17th of January, um, Chevrolet announced that there's going to be a, an electrified version. Um, it doesn't mean a full EV. It's just a hybrid version for now. Uh, I'm not sure if they've got a full EV one planned. Um, but the interesting thing about this is it, it's four-wheel drive the first time. And there was a lot of clips bouncing around the internet last month about people drifting it and that sort of thing. And it, looked, it looked quite good fun because uh, traditionally the Corvette's rear-wheel drive. So um, this one caused the, is called the E-Ray Hybrid. And it was the same the same V8 engine as the, the standard Corvette, but with some electrical uh, bits and pieces to help it be hybrid. As I, as I mentioned, it's four-wheel drive. So when you're spinning it and that sort of thing, we'll, put, we'll try and find some clips to put in the description. It will spin up the rear tires and you can sort of slide it quite easily like a Tesla. There will also, while it's not full electric, um, there will be an EV-only mode they call Stealth. A lot of hybrids uh, have an EV-only mode with some level of range that it has. But yeah, it looks, looks pretty cool. It does look cool. I like I like the term stealth mode. I mean, it, you know, it's like for like Assassin's Creed sneaking up on on other cars. No, or yeah, like, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, am I correct me if I'm wrong? Because a friend of mine was telling me this e, because EVs when they are running normally, mm-hmm. when an e, when a car is in full EV mode, it makes so little noise. But they effectively have to put like a. I think it's un, is it under fifty. We have to put almost like a artificial noise so people know it's coming. Yeah, there's a there's a legal requirement for noises when you reverse, uh, which you can hear across a car park sometimes. Uh, and also, if you're moving in a car park, like I, I can't remember the exact speed, but it's at slower speeds when pedestrians are around. They do make a hum or like a spaceship noise. Um, it's for safety, really, because you just can't. Sometimes you can't hear them. I mean, I I just think they should just go whole hog reversing. Caution. Tesla reversing. Caution. Elon <laughs> Musk is an idiot. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, look, when 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 Marco Arment sells his Tesla, you know that things are bad. Oh, I didn't realise that's what he's done. Yeah, he sold the Tesla. He's looking at a uh, Rivian. Uh, so I should explain for, for people who aren't maybe in the tech space. Uh, Marco Arment is a developer, but he's also one of the co-hosts of the ATP, the Accidental Tech Podcast. And they somehow end up drifting off into car news or but more of their personal car news mm-hmm. at the end of episodes. And he was saying that he's driven the Rivian R1T. Uh, some really fascinating stuff going on. And I, yeah, he, he sold his Tesla. Um mm. Look, we, we've kind of decided we're still going to cover Tesla news. We're just not going to be all all like, oh, Tesla is the best EV. I think we're going to try and be, well, to be fair, we're always, uh, always fairly unbiased. But that aside, let's let's go back to our to our news. Oh, oh can, can I do my best James May impersonation here? Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Good news, everybody. The Dacia, the Dacia... Extreme, extreme spring EV is uh, coming, or is yeah, wow, go for it. So the Dacia Spring uh, is quite a nice, cost-effective uh, electric electric vehicle. It's not the most powerful thing in the world. The standard model has about forty-four horsepower, more than enough to like mill you around town and that sort of thing. Um, but they've they've got a new extreme model. It's not massively extreme, but it's got 64 horsepower with a new motor and there's some other paint color that they've paint colors that they've added. There's a little bit of a price increase, so it, it's just bumped up by 4,000 euros. So the ex, the extreme version 
starts at 22 and a half, well, 22,000 euros in France, and it will start at the standard model is 20,000 euros. So it's actually 2,000, 2,000 euros more than the base model. But as of, as of this recording, the, the Dacia Spring still isn't available in the UK uh, at that price point. Uh, that would do really well here. Uh, I think this time last year, the Dacia UK bosses said they're working on getting head office to sort out supply for the UK once demand has been sorted uh, in Romania. So they're saying that's probably going to be after 2024, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. As you can imagine, it's quite popular. So because uh, the price, so hopefully it'll come to the UK soon. So, but I mean, uh, you know, look, uh, you know, that sixty-five kilowatt version, the twenty-two thousand three hundred, that translates at the time of recording to nineteen thousand five hundred. That's not bad for an EV, and certainly not bad for a new car. We are. It's very interesting to see. Shall we say the? I don't want to say less popular, but the. Should we say the less prestigious brands mm. being the ones to offer in? affordable e- 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 more yeah. affordable evs yeah well, the whole car market at the moment is a bit of a mess um just used cars being bumped up in price and there's not many used cars that are cheap so yeah uh, electric well i was looking at figures from a little while ago and just some electric cars that were on sale two years ago just gone up massively and with the need to move to evs and the, and the, some of the government regulations in london it would be helpful to have some more affordable cars absolutely i mean my dad's getting closer my dad's getting sort of on the bandwagon now are thinking, oh, I might get a plug-in hybrid. He's on that <laughs> route. He can't, he can't justify the price. He, legitimately, you know, they can't justify the price of a full full electric. So he's thinking maybe some sort of hybrid is, is his option. Um, yeah. We shall see. All right. Yeah. Jeep Avenger. Yeah, on the last episode, we spoke about the Jeep Avenger. It was announced, um, and we put a link to Johnny Smith's video down in the description. But yeah, they've announced that a 4x4 version will be coming of the electric Jeep. Um, so the Jeep Avenger is the first model that Jeep has ever launched that will be only in Europe. So it won't be offered in the US. They've had 7,000 pre-orders so far, which is actually quite a lot. And it'll be based on the same the same platform as the as the Peugeot E208. But for some reason, when they, when they spoke about the 4x4 version, with some of the messaging, they did give a clear distinction between battery electric vehicle version and the 4x4 version so we'll read into that as as you want it might be that the 4x4 4x4 version might be a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid again we'll have to see so they've they've announced that the 4x4 version will be go on sale in 2024 so we'll have to see so of a wider track larger wheels improved approach and departure angles so far as i said jeep haven't said anything concrete on what will power power it so we'll have to see are there many like full four by four EVs at this point? Because I know the Defender isn't out yet in its EV form. Mm. Do we have like you know? A, 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 do we have like oh, what's the word? Like a proving ground, a, a proof of not proof of concept. Do we, do we have a precedent for four by four EVs? Not massively. So there's a there's a Defender rival called the Ineos Ineos Grenadier. So that was that was launched five years ago and there was a because it looks so similar to defender i think they got sued initially um so that one they've got a electric version they're working on in terms of something that's actually for sale there's the only real thing is that is a maxus maxus t90 ev pickup truck which i think is four-wheel drive but in terms of traditional off-road vehicles there isn't there isn't anything i don't think not really i think range rover land rover have a range rover ev they're working on as well but i don't i don't at the moment i don't think there is so we're not likely to see the opening credits of Emmerdale Farm changing anytime soon to include uh, an EV Land Rover instead of... 
there is some stuff over in America. So the Hummer, there's a Hummer EV that's on sale now. I think that's a hundred, a hundred thousand. It's a Jeep, uh, GM are quite proud of that. Um, and there's also a, there's a Chevrolet pickup truck. Oh, so the, sorry, the Ford F-150 Lightning as well. Okay. So there's stuff over in the States, just not, not here. It's, the R1T, I'm imagining, will probably be four-wheel drive, the Rivian R1T. Oh, yeah. And the, and the R1S as well. So. Oh, the R1S is four-wheel. Okay. So it's just us. I guess, I guess that's because we obviously like the Hummer. The joke with the Hummers has always been they won't fit on UK roads. <laughs> and I, I think that's a big factor to 4x4 adoption over here. And plus, we don't really need 4x4s unless you were really. living like way. Well, you know, I guess if you live in the, in the countryside and like you are actually a farmer or you live in Wales, maybe very, you know, Scotland, then maybe, you know, maybe you've got a reason to have an EV. But going completely. Like opposite sizes, opposite <laughs> scales. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I love this. I mean, it's in, this is the thing that's inter- interests me quite a bit because with you know like Fiat. So we're talking about Fiat and Citroen here, but they are obviously both part of Stellantis. Yeah, and it's very interesting to me the way that works in terms of car models. What what are Fiat planning to do to that little Ami? So the Citroen Ami um, went on sale in the UK uh, last year, the year before. And it was initially designed, I think we spoke about it before on the podcast, initially designed as a cheap car for 14-year-olds in in, in France. So it's called a Voitra Sam Permis license. Um, it was a very, very affordable little car. Because Opel and Vauxhall are part of Stellantis as well, so what Opel have done is just simply a, a badging, a rebadging of the Ami called the Rox E. That's on sale in Germany. Um, but what Fiat are planning to do is do a little bit more to it than just a simple rebadging. They want to put a a fabric roof on it for example they want to um, change the light design they want to do some work with the interior so a new wheel design so Citroen Ami's little tiny little city car or city quadricycle um, as I said designed for younger people in France but because Fiat and Citroen are part of Stellantis I think Fiat said they want to plan a bigger overhaul of the of the vehicle and then they might be calling it the Fiat Topolino which is actually a, a hark back to a car from from the last century so it's, it's very interesting. Look, you know, I I have to admit, this is a car. All right, this is going to sound crazy. As as you will know, I can't, I won't ever be able to drive a car that requires any sort of license where my vision is, mm. you know, a, a factor. But imagine this in a self-drive. Uh, not self-driver. or Yeah, well, it is self-driver. Autom- you know, full self-driving, full FSD yeah. on this little car. Yeah, it'd be quite good. Yeah. I'd, I mean, looks it's nice. It'd be perfect for me. Like, it might even fit down the alleyway where I live. I might even be able to park it outside the front door. <laughs> and like, because very little else fits down that alleyway. As Alex well knows, it's not exactly yes, yeah, yeah. it's not exactly an easy to find property. Anyway, no. cool. But it makes sense, I guess. It, is it fair to say? But the reason, like, so for example, the reason Opel have rebranded theirs, and the reason that Fiat will be doing the tweaks is to appeal to their whole markets. Because mm. not, you know, obviously Fiat being Italian, they'll want to appeal to uh, Italian customers yep. with certain Italian features. And uh, when I say features, I mean like you know, yeah, like design aesthetics that would appeal more along that line. Like, like the Fiat Five Hundred, for example. That obviously mm. is a very Italian. Yeah, looking car. Yeah, yeah. And with the Citroen Ami, they could do. Um, so if you didn't know, the the front and the back panels, they're exactly the same panel. They've just got different lights. And then interestingly, the doors, they're exactly the same door either side. So on one side, the door opens outwards, 
front to back, and on the other side it opens the other way like a suicide door. So they've to 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 do that they've so they've saved on different panels, which is quite good. Um, so if Fiat re redesign it, they could produce similar similar panels and then keep the cost down as well, which is quite good. So that is good. Um, again, that helps drive up EV adoption. Awesome. Now, when I first read this next headline, I'm thinking, hang on, you put that in the wrong section, but you haven't. So this is GridServe. Uh, I the Aura Funky Cat. What a great name for a car. And what's going on here? What what's the partnership? So GridServe, they got uh, two uh, four electric forecourts. They call them. So there's one in Braintree in Essex, and there's one in Nor- uh, Norwich. I think uh, it's also in Kent. I think. Um, so they've announced in January that. So they, what? Yeah. If you're not too familiar with GridServe, they've they've got two big forecourts, and then they one of the things they offer is free free uh, test drives. So you can you can rock up, book a slot of an, a half an hour, an hour. And you can borrow one of the vehicles they've got. So they've got Teslas, they've got MG4s, they've got um, then this new Aura, Aura Funky Cat car, and they've got a load of other cars you can just borrow for for an hour. Um, so they've partnered with Aura, which is part of uh, Great Wall Motors in China. You can now rock up to the the Braintree forecourt and test drive one of their one of their cars, which is quite good. And the main benefit is there's no sales pitch, there's no questions that they're going to ask you, sort of how like financing that sort of thing, because they they just want to get you in a car and let you drive it. So uh, it's good for people who are a bit unsure about electric cars. So this is the, actually the first electric vehicle from uh, Great Wall Motors. It's a full electric vehicle that goes head-to-head with the ID3. I think we've spoken about it on the podcast before when it was announced. It's got a very fancy cabin, uh, lots of leather and that sort of thing. Facial recognition, 200-mile range, just under. And it's £32,000 in the UK, which is actually like £7,000 cheaper than the ID3, uh, which is common occurrence at the moment. <laughs> So yeah, there's a I'll, we'll put a link in. There's a link in the uh, article that I've written for the interface where you can contact GridServe to learn more, and you can arrange your free test drives. So that's yeah, it's good to see. Awesome! It does look quite quite cool. And no, um, Alex Norwich is not in in Kent. Um, Alan Partridge would be no. Is in is I think hang on, let me just double check. I think uh, I think Norwich is in East Anglia, um, and Alan Partridge would be incredibly incredibly um, <laughs> disappointed in your. You know, yeah, it's um, it's in East Anglia. Oh, okay. Uh, or is it North? <laughs> is it Norfolk? It's in Norfolk, I think. Yeah, Norfolk. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's you know, yeah, it's 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 in Greater Anglia. Okay, so cool. Oh, does say um, yeah, East Anglia. So yeah, it's it's not Kent. Um, okay. it's all right. We'll we'll forgive you. We'll forgive you, and I'll leave you with this on on that particular story, Lynn. I'm not driving a mini metro. <laughs> uh, also. Just before we go into the next story, uh, Grid Server also got a new cam- a new uh, forecourt in Gatwick Airport coming soon as well. So that's that's quite exciting. So that's kind of cool. But and that makes sense because you know you may have parked your EV. Excuse me. So you may have parked your EV at airport parking, mm. and you know um, you'll be able to. Excuse me, I can't speak. And then you can you know go and charge it up at the EV forecourt on the way back from from a flight. Yeah. Who yeah. What, was it? Some. No, that someone was telling me about this. So I don't know the name of a company because he wouldn't disclose who it was because it's a client of theirs. But there's a company who are working on the concept of putting EV chargers at the airports. Mm. And the idea is that you park your car, long-term parking, you plug it into an EV charger, and it kind of what it does is when you're there, say you're there for a week, it will use the charge on your car on the car's batteries yep. to reverse feed into the airport power grid ah. and then 
it will know when you're coming back and it will then say, okay, well, I'm now going to charge your battery on my car back. Yeah. So effectively what the airport, and I don't know if it's Heathrow, it might be Heathrow, but the idea is that they'll effectively have a massive, almost like car park Tesla power wall yeah. type situation. I think you get, apparently they give you like money, either money off your charging or pay you a fee. I mean, you mm. could effectively... For, for the way I'd imagine this working is it would effectively mean you've got free EV charging for them to be able to use your, your battery, as it were. That's cool, though. It's like an interesting idea. Just just yeah. thought I'd randomly mention that, you know. Yeah, it might also depend on if the car you've got supports load-to-grid as well, because I don't think some uh, cars support... one. They only support one-way charging. Uh, that's, that's, that's cool, though. Yeah. But because the F-150, that, there's been so many videos of people connecting mm. their F-150s up to their houses yeah, yeah. to do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the MG4 was on about earlier. That's got, that comes with an adapter uh, for a three-pin socket. So you can plug it, you can plug a kettle in or something. I think some people have done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of plugging a kettle, in, kettle into, your, uh, into your car, though. That, that sounds like, I mean, when you think about it, though, Okay, gen- genuine thought. I assume if it's just got a free pin socket, mm-hmm. you could plug like you say you're going camping. Yeah, you've then got what, what effectively a, a, a f- not a free but included in the price of your EV AC inverter. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Okay, it's a good cool. idea. Yeah. So what's yeah? So what's Suzuki up to then, uh, Alex? So a lot of, there's quite a few fans of the Suzuki Jimny. Um, so when it went on sale, or well, I think it's back in 2015, I think. There was quite a lot of people that really loved it because it was like a reincarnation of, of the Jimny from from ages ago. But unfortunately, the the engine they used was very inefficient, so it produced a lot of CO two. So it, it got legislated out of existence. Um, so it got discontinued a, a few months ago. I think it was last year now. In the time that they got rid of the passenger one, they had a commercial vehicle, um, which they could sell for a period of time. But again, that's that's been uh, discontinued now. Um, but there's still a lot of people that really love it because it's sort of a little, quite a Nice, cute 4x4. By 2030, uh, Suzuki have said they're going to launch an electric version of the Jimny. So in terms of electric vehicles, Suzuki's quite far behind. They haven't got any on sale. They haven't got any electric vehicles at the moment on sale. And some of their hybrids, they've had to borrow bits from Toyota, I think. So they've got two models. They've got a 4x4 and a a state car. And they are just rebadged. They're rebadged Toyotas, um, unfortunately. So they haven't got any any in-house bits and pieces. They're hoping by 2030 they're going to have they they're investing three billion pounds in battery technology, uh, and from 2024 onwards they're going to launch five new electric cars. Um, so they've sort of sat on the sort of sat around for a little period of time. But yeah, we good to see the the iconic Jimny come back because um, it is quite a nice looking car. So I, I've seen them around. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got that. I like the design. It'd be cool to see that as an EV, and I, I would agree with you on that one. It is interesting, you know, no EV platform of Rome. That's not a good starting point. No, but they sort of, the only thing they've released so far is like a silhouette with some backlight. Uh, and you could definitely tell from the picture it was, it was a Jimny. So they haven't said it in plain, plain written, um, but they've, they've released a picture. But they've also got some of the models planned. So they've got a, a EVX concept, which will be similar to the S-Cross. It's supposed to have 342 miles of range, which is actually pretty good. So Yeah, cool. Now, we spoke about competition to be ID free earlier, mm. um, but Volkswagen are apparently uh, working on something a little bit fresher. Yeah. So this is supposed to be released tomorrow. So we're, we're recording on the 28th of February. Tomorrow is the 1st of March, uh, and Volkswagen is supposed to reveal a refreshed ID3 next month. 
with the ID3 when they launched it in 2019 or 2020, uh, they tried quite a few new things. They had a simplified interior. They had haptic buttons on the steering wheel, which some people don't like. Um, the infotainment system is a bit interesting. A lot of touch controls and remove a removal of a lot of physical buttons, which has been a big pain point for a lot of people. Uh, I've used the Mark 8 Golf, which has got a very similar um, infotainment system, and it is quite a pain to use. So um, they're planning on launching a new car with uh, improved infotainment system. It's supposed to be the removal of the haptic buttons and a return to actual buttons. Um, and also the the heating controls are on a slider, and that's, they're supposed to have uh, some backlighting because if you use them at night time, you can't see what you're doing. So it's been two and a half years since the model was first introduced, um, and there's been lots of issues with software and infotainment system uh, issues. So this refresh was supposed to be done a little bit later, and due to the customer customer complaints and issues, they brought it forward to what VW had originally planned. There's also going to be a larger touchscreen for the infotainment screen, uh, a 12-inch screen. And, and as I said, the elimination of the buttons because you can't actually see what you're doing. <laughs> That'd be a bit of a problem, yeah. I mean, I I, I do like the design. I mean, I, I like the design of the ID3. I like the idea, what they say, 12-inch touchscreens are nice, mm. nice size screen to be putting into a, a car like that. And we'll, and Volkswagen are fully on board with uh, CarPlay, aren't they? Yes, yeah. Yeah, quite a few of the bigger EV manufacturers, Rivian, Tesla, aren't doing Mm. Apple CarPlay or, or Android Auto either. And it's kind of a, a you know not great from that point of view. Yeah, I know. While the some of the entertainment stuff in VWs isn't the best, like the the OS of the actual system itself, the CarPlay integration is pretty reliable. So I've as courtesy cars, I've had a few of the new VWs, not electric ones, but the petrol stuff, and the the, the wireless CarPlay connects instantly. So it's I'm pretty impressed with that. That's cool. Awesome. Ah, now speaking of everyone's. Uh, uh, our, our friends at Tesla. What what what's Space Cabin and his team up to? <laughs> so they announced uh, a few days ago, actually, that they're going to open a new engineering headquarters in California. Um, so they're going to be using the former headquarters of Hewlett Packard, so HP. It's going to be a, a dedicated HQ for engineers to focus on R and D, um, and eventually, apparently, going to be used for robots, uh, upcoming robots. So. <laughs> that, uh, that worries me slightly but that's i mean that's a bit of an interesting sort of like convergence isn't it of our two yeah. of our two interests tech and oh hp <sighs> i miss the good old days of hp you know when 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 hp printers actually worked and weren't a rip-off <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm really trashing some vendors today, aren't I? Um, I mean, it's you are you're burning bridges. I'm, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, your hopes of getting a Tesla test driver probably gone. To be fair, I think we burnt that bridge already after what we did, after what Crosswise did on Twitter uh, as our parting gift to Elon. Uh, as I said, you know, I, I don't. I think the team at Tesla are probably running things fine without him. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, again, we, yeah. but it's interesting to see them expanding. Let's hope that brings genuine innovation. I, I really hope that does. Yeah. Back in 2021, Tesla moved their main headquarters to Texas due to issues with the pandemic safety safety measures by California at the time. Tesla do have a factory in California still uh, in Fremont. I think that's their original factory. Um, but it's, it is interesting to see them move back to California. Elon said that this is their... It's, well, it's a company now with two HQs. They've got a main headquarters in Texas, and then they've got their engineering HQ in California. So it's supposed to open in... Well, it's open, oh, sorry, it's opened already. Yeah, it's opened earlier this week. 
well, last week. Oh, so. cool. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it does make sense, like, you know, the, the it makes sense that the engineers have that space because California is probably maybe a better place. For uh, talent, yeah. Yeah, for, well, that's what I'm thinking. And, you know, because would you want to ask a bunch of... Well, I don't know. I was going to say Texas hasn't really got... But Texas, of course, is home to, you know, was home to NASA for quite a mm. while. So, I don't, yeah. Oh, to, they moved to Austin, Texas. Okay, interesting. More known for... Okay, interesting. All right. What's up next? Yeah, so with Volkswagen's new EVs and some of their existing ones, they're going to be pivoting to using more recycled materials, which is good to see. Um, so with the ID Buzz, this is the Volkswagen's first electric vehicle that's going to, it has used a lot of recycled materials anyway. Yeah, so with the ID Buzz, the the, the van basically, um, Volkswagen has used a lot of recycled ocean plastic and they've used a lot of recycled bottles as well. So quite specific, uh, they've used 63 500 mil bottles in every ID Buzz, and as a mixture of that and recycled plastic. At the very start of the initial ID3 release, some elements of the car, I remember watching a video about it, some of them still used animal materials, so leather in places and that sort of thing. But at the time when that was announced, they were they had announced that they were planning on using more recycled and more natural materials. Um, so, as I said, with the ID Buzz, it's sort of leading the way with their new vehicles. So, uh, with the carpet and headliner, there's 100% recycled polyester. And the carpet, even the carpet as well, uses recycled plastic. And some of this innovation of VWS said will leak over to the ID3, 4, 5, and 7. Awesome. I love the name they're using for the material for the seat covers. Art Velour Eco. Yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, well done, Vauxhall. Um, I I like it. It sounds interesting. I haven't yeah. I haven't had a chance to, to see uh, see an ID buzz or you know, be inside one yet. But I'm, those seat covers look interesting. Yeah, I mean that's that's more of a an outgoing color. Uh, you can have more subdued, and then the the commercial vehicle is a lot more hard wearing. The ID Buzz Cargo, obviously, um, but yeah, it's good to see the that in place. So, no, it, it makes sense. You know, as, as we're trying to strive, you know, the whole concept of EVs to help the environment, and mm. but we're still then, you know, companies are still using you know animal materials. I, I don't see. My opinion is we we don't need animal materials in in cars anymore. It, it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. I agreed, uh, but but that's my take. Awesome. All right. Speaking of German car makers and and awful naming schemes. Oh, mm-hmm. what is this? <laughs> yes, this is the BMW i4 E Drive 35 with the 35 referring to the kilowatt hour battery pack. I think. I think I believe that's right. Anyway, so the yeah the main point of this this story was to look at the BMW i4 uh, eDrive 35. And it's the new entry level version of the model, uh, which starts from forty nine thousand um, pounds, which is sort of lowering the barrier to entry with the i4. So it, the uh, eDrive 40 started at seven and a half thousand pounds more than that, so about fifty fifty six thousand uh, pounds, which is which is a lot for a saloon car, even even electric. So it's good they sort of lowered the barrier to entry, but it's still not quite enough. The ma- the main difference is the the battery pack. So the eDrive 35, uh, you can find a 70 kilowatt hour pack as uh, an 81 kilowatt hour pack in the four the eDrive 40 and the M50, sort of the models above. Um, but the range is okay. Um, the range is 299 miles, which is okay. Well, on that it, on that 70 kilowatt pack, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty 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 good. Yeah. 
It's not bad. I, the naming makes no sense then, because it, it, I, was, I was thinking that can't mm. be the battery pack size, because that's mm. that'd be tiny. But yeah, interesting. Okay, I'm not sure what the point of that naming is. Audi have done a very similar thing with their petrol cars. They've got they used to refer to the liter size. They're now just using random numbers, uh, which are which are a bit confusing. Uh, this is this seems very similar, so I'm not entirely sure why. No, very very interesting. Um, but yeah, again, nice looking car, but unfortunately at that price point, you know what? Look, mm. realistic, we say forty nine thousand. It you're getting a fiver's change from fifty k. Um, it's <laughs> it's an expensive car. Like, it, yeah. Oh, okay, Nissan. Yeah. Now I I have to say I. I am a big fan of the Leaf. Just, I don't know why. There's something about the Leaf that I like. I think it's possibly because it's the only EV I've actually, well, the only fully EV car that I've actually been in. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, so when I was writing this story, uh, initially seems like if you just if you skim over it that Nissan are building electric trucks, but this isn't the case. Um, so what they're doing is they're going to be testing two electric trucks in the port of Los Angeles. Um, one from uh, Nikola Tesla, oh, sorry, one from Nikola, uh, which is a, not related to Tesla in any way, <laughs> and one from Kenworth. So they're going to be testing two of those trucks to use to ferry passenger cars from the port of LA when they come into the country to dealerships ar- around LA. So it's quite a good good testing testing point. As well as this, as well as using two trucks, they're going to be putting charging points in the port of LA to keep the trucks running. Uh, and this is sort of a proof of concept to start with. Um, they'll likely expand out and use more electric trucks to ferry cars from to and from dealerships. So, yeah. That, yeah, that's really interesting. Again, but not you're right. At first glance, that's what I thought. Oh, Nissan are making EV trucks, but it's not really their thing. So why not use? I love the fact that we've now got two different EV companies, one called Nikola, one called Tesla, which, of course, are both references to the same. Yeah to the same person, to Nikola Tesla. I like that. And honestly, it does make sense, you know, we, uh, so not to do too much cross-promotion, but Crosswise, the episode that's coming out next week, so next Monday, by the time this episode comes out, um, which should be tomorrow, hopefully, depends how well I do editing, um, is going to be looking at the environmental impact of tech. And, of course, one thing we always have to consider is the supply chain. So it's great to see them considering using EVs to make those journeys. Because, obviously, you know, it would be quite ironic if an EV, say the Leaf, is being delivered to show, uh, show uh, to dealerships by petrol, com- uh, by well, it would be diesel, but by combustion cars. So this is really interesting to see. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, there's just one more bit of like car news. Um, we've got the Abarth 500e. So I think we spoke about it on the last episode. It was sort of announced. So it was announced back in November 2022. But they've now revealed the pricing for it. It'll actually end up being thirty-eight and a half thousand pounds um, for the, la- the launch edition, which is yeah, it's sort of you wince when you see that price a little bit. <laughs> Scor- again, Sc- Scorpion and gone. Scorpion Isma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What? I think that's how you say it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna please anyone who can pronounce that better than us. Do correct us in an audio clip. You can email podcast at chargingstayers.net and yell at us for pronouncing that. With <laughs> uh, cheap, cheaper of options available down the line. Okay. Yes, yeah, so this is like the launch edition, so it's going to have a lot of extra bits and pieces on the cars. The the interior uh, 
images look really good. A lot of Alcantara in use. But yeah, so for the launch edition, Abarth are only going to be making 1,949 units, which isn't just a random number plucked out of the air. It's actually the year that the company was founded. Ah. Yeah, back in 1949. Um, And obviously Fiat bought them in the 80s, I think. Um, So now they're part of Stellantis. Yeah, it's, it's quite a big price increase over the standard Fiat 500e, but you are getting a, a more powerful, powerful car. And due to the, the the extra power the car is going to produce, the range has taken a bit of a hit. So I think you you do lose some range. I don't think they've revealed the actual specs yet. Oh, they have. Sorry. Uh, the standard Fiat has 199 miles of range, but the Abarth version has 155 miles. So you do lose about 50 miles of range. Ouch. Okay. I'm just looking. Okay. So uh, the standard Okay, but it does have more horsepower. It does, yeah. You've got uh, now. Let's have a look at this. It's interesting. Hang on. Not uh, not is handled in seven seconds, so it's two seconds faster than sixty. Yeah, faster. Yeah, faster to sixty than me the five hundred e itself. But what's interesting is that not sixty is slower than a petrol. Power than me above six nine five. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's. I think it's just the weight of the vehicle. Yeah. Right. We've about to. Okay. Okay. And of course, there are other measurements. Oh, I see. Okay. So the, what you've obviously put here this makes sense. So, for example, twenty-five to thirty-five. So that midpoint acceleration mm. is one point five seconds compared with two point five seconds for a petrol six nine five. So I guess you can't. Not sixty isn't the only measurement, is it? Really, we need to be thinking no. about with these. Yeah. So acceleration overtaking people. That's quite good. And only 350 of those uh, 1949 units are coming to the UK. Yep, that's right. Okay, all right. Oh, an 85 kilowatt charging. That's um, so 10 to 8% in what, 35 minutes? That's not, not bad. bad. No, it's all right. Yeah. Not bad at all. Okay, awesome. Again, probably not a car I would personally go for, but anyway. No, so I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to drive one of those at some point. One of the, not the uh, Bath one, but the Fiat one. So be quite good. Let's. Move on to charging news. Yeah, if you glance, if you glance at this article, you'd be a bit. I think it's a bit confusing what the article's about. Um, so it says Subway. Yeah, Subway's partnering with Gen Z to offer charging at its US stores. So you think, well, was it partnering with young people to do this? Or no, it's a little <laughs> bit, <laughs> a little bit weird. Um, so there's a company in the US called Gen Z or Gen Z EV Solutions, uh, which is an interesting name. It's famously Subway is one of the largest fast food chains in the in the world. They've got the most locations um, of, out of everyone. So in, in the US, um, obviously a lot of lot of fast food lot of fast food stores in the US have got parking out front. Generally, generally over here, they're either at retail locations or they're on high streets. But a lot of them are in sort of locations where they've got parking. So Subway have decided uh, to partner with a charging company to bring EV charging to Subway stores across the US. This this rollout will obviously take quite a few years, but they'll start they'll start doing it at any new stores that they open or any stores that they remodel. So any stores that they go back in, they back at and remodel, they'll they'll add charging too. So uh, the first sites to benefit will start later this year in the US. So that's pretty good. It's really interesting, and, and as you said, that's not likely to come because there are some subway locations that are in retail parks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are, but 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 here's the deal: those car parks don't belong to the subway; they belong to the retail parks. So the subway probably won't have the ability to add those charging points there. Yeah, but I can see other fast food places that are 
do have their own car parks doing this more. It's, I mean, obviously not this is US news, but it, it's still relevant because it shows the sort of places we're going to start to see EV charging. Look, I mean, next thing you'll be telling me that Greg's are going to start offering EV charges. Each sausage <laughs> roll comes with a five minute EV charge. <laughs> yeah, I went. I went to. I went to a McDonald's up north somewhere a while back, and they had they had two charge point chargers, which were at the time it was quite busy. So standard cars had parked in the space, but that sort of location because generally McDonald's owned the car parks that they that they have. So yeah, what's also interesting, they're not going to just put chargers up. It's going to have canopies and picnic tables and toilets and other amenities and also Wi-Fi for the, the guests. So generally, if you go and charge somewhere, there's nowhere to go to the toilet and that sort of thing. So it's good that they're putting that sort of thing in. So That is good. That's going to that's gonna be helpful because, you know, I, do you know, it's one thing like, it's one thing that frustrates me about Bournemouth is we have loads of toilets along uh, along the beach, but they close them like at like ridiculously early times in the day. So you're out for a walk, you get caught short and like, yeah, there's nowhere to go to use the facilities. Like, come on. <laughs> like, come on. Sorry. Not that, not that you need to know the number of times that I've had to very quickly rush home. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, dear. I guess we've got, what, one more bit of charging news? One more bit, yeah. I'm not, I wasn't too familiar with this acronym, HPC, but it actually stands for High Power Charging. So I guess that's anything above 100 kilowatts. In France and Italy, Ionity have rolled out uh, new stations on important routes uh, in France and Italy. Uh, so for longer journeys, for example, there's a there's a quite a main route between Lyon and Nice and Lyon and Marcel. Um, and they've opened up a brand new charging location. So it's a large car park uh, with capacity for up to 350 kilowatt speeds. And there'll be space for 16 electric vehicles there. Um, and one of the things I found really interesting with this, so a common complaint with electric vehicles is if you ro- ro- roll up and plug into charge and someone parks up next to you and starts charging, the speed for both of you will, will lower. So you share you share some infrastructure um, when you charge. So you, you could see 150 kilowatt speeds, but they'll drop to like 80 or 90 and sort of increase the amount of time you have to be there. Um, so honestly, I've gone to the work and also the money to sort of put this in, and there's going to be no power sharing. So each charging location, look, like stand at the, at the place, mm. is going to be have a direct feed back to the, the power input for that, that car park. means that if someone else rocks up next to you, they're not going to impact your speed, which is really good. So e- each of these charging uh, bays is going to have a, up to a 350 kilowatt charging yeah, that's good though. They've gone to a lot of uh, expense to that, I'd imagine. So, just to put that into perspective, that's a, a total potential cap- uh, charging capacity at any one time for that for that sixteen bays of five thousand six hundred kilowatt kilowatt hours. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, so it's a lot of that's a lot of. They must have to go for a lot of work to put a lot of power capacity in for that. Um, I'd imagine that involves substations and stuff because you won't be able to draw that off a single. No, I, I'm not an electronics engineer. I don't know anything about how all this stuff works. Uh, neither of us claim to be, but that's fascinating. Yeah. And it, uh, now here's a question: something I want to try and understand. And if you, so say for example, you're charging at a 350 kilowatt hour charger. Mm-hmm. I take it it is only it all depends on what your car supports so it will go down to the what your car supports it's not like it's going to charge your 
if your car only supports, say, 100 kilowatt hour charging, that's all you're getting. It's not going to then start magically increasing your speed. Yeah, that's right. So you know, like with a USB C device, you plug plug it in. There's a little bit of a. There's a they do a handshake. So there's a little. There's a, a microchip in the in the USB C cable. There's a microchip in your phone, and they do a bit of a handshake to work out what they can charge at. The same thing works with EV charging. Um, so when you plug it in, the car and the charger talk to each other to make sure they're not going to blow up blow up each other basically <laughs> so you're, you're you're right yeah so the, the car knows what it what speed it can charge at and then it will negotiate that with the, the charger there aren't many cars that can even do 350 kilowatt so while you it's good that they're future proofing it i think the uh, porsche taycan that's one of the ones that can charge at some ridiculously high speeds um but obviously as time goes on we'll probably see bigger and better things <laughs> from cars so yeah Interesting. And and I take it we are getting to a point now where, you know, we've talked about that 35 minutes from 10 to 80%. We're starting to see where you don't have to leave your car there for hours to charge now. It is becoming a, yes, it's still always going to be longer mm. than a petrol fill-up. But, I mean, they, you know, they do say that drivers should take good rest breaks every now and then. Yeah. So maybe even is there a way to encourage that? Yeah. What's also interesting about this bit of news is that France have got a legal requirement now for new uh, charging locations that they must have a canopy, and that canopy must be solar panels. Oh, yeah, interesting. Which means I take it part part of that power will then what go back into the charging to feed the charging grid. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Yeah, so I understand. There's two locations are opening in France and two in Italy. Uh, so one of these locations is on that important uh, road uh, with 16 EV spaces. There's also one, they've opened up a location right next to a hotel, uh, the Hotel Hampton by Hilton in Fiano Romano. Again, apologies for that pronunciation. Um, but it's quite interesting. They've opened it right next to a hotel. It, no, it is. It makes perfect sense. You know, and look, that kind of brings us in. So we, so we don't have a test drive this month, but mm. I have a little bit of a story from a friend who... I thought I'd share because it's it's really interesting. It ties in nicely to this whole concept of how you journey plan, how you make the most of EV charging. And he was saying that his parents were coming over on the ferry from Belgium uh, to Ireland. And one of the things you can apparently do is book EV charging spaces on the ferry. Mm. So I didn't realise that was a thing. So apparently they are at the front of the ferry, which means, A, you're right at the front, so you board first. You're then connected to the charger for that whole trip. Now, I mean, that seems... There's something about... There's, there's, that, there's that sort of me thinking, okay, an EV car charger in a ship that's on the water. But then, actually, there's loads of other electrical systems on the boat, so it's not really going to be an issue. And um, they basically said, yeah, they plug in the Teslas, which means that by the time they've got off the boat, you know, they've maybe arrived at the port with, say, maybe, say, like, a, maybe, I don't know, say a 60% charge. Mm-hmm. Get off the ferry. They're fully charged. They can just go straight off yeah. to their destination, which I think is fantastic. And it kind of goes back to that whole concept we were talking about earlier with, you know, airport charging and, you know, I guess also, you know, your when you go to rent your car, in is it april when you're yeah, yeah. going to tenerife yeah in theory 
car rental places should never have to worry about there being enough charge because my feeling will be they will have charge they will have charges at the the bays that those EVs are rented from. So in theory, you never have to worry about filling up a tank, and it means that your fleet's ready to go. Um, it means that people. I think that term charge anxiety. I I think we've talked about this before, but I'm seeing less and less people talk about that. Although I did see a wonderful review. Uh, I'll find the link. Uh, Jay sent it to me. Uh, someone doing like a, a, almost like a parody review on a combustion car saying, oh, you know, you've got to refill it every now and then and t- taking that parody away from, uh, you know. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just said a quick look. Apparently, the I'm not sure who you, your friends uh, shipped or what do you call it? Sailed, well, I guess. Um, so sailed, but there's, yeah. yeah. There's the Irish ferries are doing it as well. So I guess between Dublin and Holyhead, it says that there's charging on those, on those um, ships as well, which they're not the most fastest thing in the world. It says the one between Dublin and Holyhead is only seven kilowatts. But if you think, I don't know how long those, those journeys are, like six, four or five hours, maybe that's going to be four or five hours. I mean, I've done that. I've done that, that journey. It's, it's a relatively long journey. Yeah. That's going to be quite good. And I imagine they've got a sort of, outweigh all the electrical demand of the ship as well uh, but it says also um dublin to cherbourg uh it says 3.7 kilowatts yeah um but it does also say not fast charging but no it's not, not that Sorry. fast no it does also say as you said reserve a space and then also uh bring your own cables oh and that makes sense because yeah and all evs can use is it the ccs standard yeah it's, it's type 2 or ccs yeah Right. Okay. What's what's common more here in the UK, or is it is just whatever's available? Well, the most common thing is CCS. Um, so the CCS connector is really cool. It's got two built into one. So CCS is that weird double O, well, double O shape kind of. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the Type Two is using one half of that. So Type Two is for AC charging, slower, and then uh, CCS is um, DC charging. So usually you can use two different types of chargers on the same car, which is quite good. That's really cool. Awesome. I think that wraps up this episode. Alex, as always, thank you. Um, Alex, where can, because obviously all this news, we're very, very grateful, comes from the interface. Where can people find the interface if they want to check out more car news and, and more tech news in general? Yeah. Um, so the interface is available on, uh, well, it's available on the internet, I was going to say. Wait, hang on. Are you tell me there's, hang on. You tell me there's a print edition as well. Is that well, available in all good news agents, right? <laughs> all good shops, yeah. <laughs> um, you can find the interface at theinterface.uk. Um, so as James said, website for all tech news. Um, there's videos as well on our YouTube channel. We've also got, uh, we're also on Twitter as well, the, inter- the underscore interface underscore. We're on Mastodon as well. Uh, there'll be a link down below for that. So yeah. Awesome. And of course, you can find more tech content from Crosswires in podcast and some, we are, I've got YouTube videos coming soon uh, the next youtube video should be um a nice look at the panic play date which i uh, you've got a chance to use that did, did i let you try and play it when you were I here quick going it when i met you yeah yes yeah. cool little device it's lovely isn't it it's so cool yeah uh, so we'll be doing that and of course lots of podcasts and crosswise.net forward slash live you can see our streaming schedule if you want to see me and jay try and play computer games come and check that out thank you for listening and keep on charging 